Hey everybody, it's Sam with Paranormal Review, and I want to take a minute and remind you guys that you can reach us at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at Paranormal Review, or we have also started a Paranormal Review Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, you can find updates, you can find the latest uh, paranormal articles from different people in the field. You can find the latest TV show um, trailers or things that um, have been said by the investigators in the paranormal shows. You can find the latest paracons or paranormal events that are taking place where you can meet uh, the paranormal investigators. You can also find live shows there. Uh, Just this week, we have seen um, a live podcast being taped. We've seen Bishop Alouette from uh, Ghost Adventures have a live showing on Facebook. We've had John Zaffis's um, live lecture. We've had Carl Johnson's live lecture on there. Uh, Ryan Buell chatted with some of his friends. And we had meet and greet questions with the new Ghost Hunter Sponge. So we are trying to give you in one place place as many different things that are out there as possible uh so come and join us on paranormal review facebook and like i said if you have any questions comments problems or protests uh feel free to hit us up on paranormal review pod that's singular at gmail.com and uh let's get into this today we've chosen uh ghost nation which is Jason Hall's, uh, Steve Gonzalez, and um, Dave Tango's group. And this is the first season, second episode, and it's called A Nightmare in the Nursery. And it's about the Higgins House that is in Highland, Michigan. It aired on October 17th of 2019. Now, the team starts off, actually, in Hill, Michigan, Um, and it's a town with about 70 people living in it. A lot of you may remember it because of the Gates of Hell episode that Ghost Adventures did there, but um, they, the guys... um, make a lot of jokes uh, about how they have uh, actually found hell now. They even uh, make a joke that the guys are meeting up with a paranormal investigator named Mike Priest. So they're meeting a priest in hell. Um, so they make a lot of jokes about that. They go into a store and and kind of look around at all the different items and, and everything that the little tourist town um, has. And then, like I said, they meet up with Mike Priest in the hellhole bar. Um, he shows them a video from from a nanny camera that went viral and a lot of you may have actually seen this video before you saw this episode and um 
he says that his team has investigated this house several times over the last seven or eight years. Um, the previous homeowner that um, the family that is there now got the house from her family slipped and fell down some steps. Her name was Dorothy and that she wasn't found for several days and that she ended up dying. Um, she, he said that the current homeowners, the son and the daughter-in-law, moved into the guest house. And on their nanny cam, they caught something moving right to left in their toddler's room. And he is really wanting to bring this to their attention because he doesn't know what to do about it. And Mr. Priest says that he kind of feels like it could be dangerous for the child. And so Jason, um, you know, takes this under consideration. And of course, that's why they've shown up. Um, anything that involves the child, Jason and Grant both have always, it seems to be like, are Johnny on the spot wanting to take care of kids. And I really respect that about them. So Jason asks if they can go over to the house. So this is where they travel to actually Highland, Michigan to meet the Higgins family. We start off meeting Chris and Jim, and they purchased the house because it actually had the guest house on it, and it had some property to go along with it. It's near a lake, and um, Chris says that within about two months, she started noticing a mist-type figure going from the kitchen into the dining room. She said it was the same path in the same motion, and she's wish witnessed this a couple hundred times. Now, immediately, I'm thinking it's got to be a residual haunting, and um, this is the... First one out of different TV shows that I've watched that they've literally said, the same the same person has said, hey, I, I see this all the time. It's been a couple hundred times over the last 11 years. And I would love to visit this house and just kind of hang out. I got to see it because I think that would be an interesting thing to see. Um not sure. I'm just going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Um, Jason and Steve and Dave don't seem real interested in this part. I guess because it has nothing to do with the child. But I kind of wish they would have hung out or stationed a camera, um, like she said, and kind of caught this. She said that in the beginning, uh, the most activity that she normally seen was in the hallway area. She said that she heard a lot of footsteps and different noises and voices. And then it started to escalate. She said um, that she actually felt something on the steps um, going from the dining room to the living room. She felt something. She thinks it's Dorothy. Uh, on the wooden floors, grabbed her ankles, and Chris fell down the steps. Um, she actually thought that she had broken her back and that maybe Dorothy, the spirit, was wanting her to die like she did. Um, but 
of course, she was found, and Jim said this was all in the main house, that he never thought that the guest house was haunted. However, we get introduced then to Heather Burrell, who is Josh's wife. Um, they moved into the guest house with their daughter, Lily, and Heather said that she started hearing voices always while she was taking a shower, and she heard footsteps uh, running up and down the steps. Um, Chris said that they had heard that Dorothy's brother, Timothy, used to live in the guest house, and that he committed suicide after jump or by jumping out of the second story window. Heather uh, also believes that one time while she was asleep that she was awakened by being choked in bed. But however, she totally admits that the thing that has scared her the most is the nanny cam video that they were watching live when it happened. So, I would, first of all, I want to know why were you watching it? Um, usually, with Lily being kind of a toddler, you don't sit and watch the camera in their room. Uh, you put them down for a nap, and you may glance at it every once in a while to make sure, see if they're going to sleep, or see if they're getting into anything. But, you usually don't sit and watch it. Unless they can crawl out of their playpen or their crib or whatever they're in. Or unless they're making noise. Um, A lot of times I've known a lot of parents to sit and watch the cameras because the child's making noise. And they are wanting to know if they need to go up there and maybe settle the child down. So I wanted someone to ask, well... Why were you watching it? You know, was Lily having problems going to sleep? Was she getting up or down or or what? And when they actually show the video, um, Lily isn't, you know, standing up or anything. As you as they show the video, they you see Lily pop up, and she's kind of looking away from the figure, and then it's almost like. She then looks around afterwards. So I'm not even sure Lily saw it. Um, Maybe. uh, Chris says that they've lived there 11 years and that she just wants this to be safe for her granddaughter. Because, in my opinion, I mean, obviously, if they've lived there 11 years, all of this stuff really hasn't bothered them. They haven't really thought it was a big deal. Unless this thing happened to Chris where she felt something grab her ankles and she fell down the stairs. I mean, even after getting hurt, you know, falling down the stairs, she still didn't care to live here. So, obviously, they're not real concerned about it. So, the first thing, basically, Ghost Nation does is uh, they ask and tell 
both families that they need them to leave during the investigation. And they set up a monitoring station in the yard to make sure that they watch both houses on cameras. And then they set up the cameras in the two houses. Um, I love how they timestamp things. And at 9.16, Steve talks about the two deaths that have happened. Timothy in the guest house and then Dorothy in the main house. And... He says that um, Tango and Mike are going to monitor the cameras. I think it's really cool how they invited Mike Priest in on the investigation. I wish they would have kept him in on all of it, but maybe he couldn't get off work or he had plans or, or something like that. But I like how for this night, he's able to be a part of it. And Steve and Jason decide to go check out the actual main house and especially looking at the hallway and the living room that Chris is reported having issues with. So, um, Jason starts out by tar talking to Dorothy in the living room. You know, did you trip Chris so that she would fall like you? Um, can you stomp on the floor to let us know? Um, Jason and Steve hear someone kind of running up the stairs. Um, they think that it may be animals, and so the first thing Steve wants to check out is the fireplace to make sure that there's no animals that are able to get up in the fireplace or anything like that. He doesn't see any evidence of it. He says that it is closed off, and it doesn't appear that any animals are making those noises. Then at 112, so for approximately three to four hours, they've spent kind of hanging out in the house and they have spent talking and, and everything like that, trying to work through things. So at 112, uh, Jason decides that they'll send Mike Price and Tango in to check in the attic. Um, when they open the attic, you know, Tango admits that he's a little nervous about this attic. And after seeing it, I kind of don't blame him. Um, the little door that they have to go to to get into the attic, yeah, not real sure of. It's very, very obvious that the family hasn't been up there in a while and that they didn't really think to check this out because it doesn't look like anyone's been up there in a while although there is some chairs and a table up there and probably since they have six kids um and over the last 11 years i'm sure they played in the attic at some time but they find that there have been there they find you know remnants of the animals and that they kind of conclude that the animals are the ones making the noises that they heard. So they must have did that fairly quickly because a little over an hour later at 227, um, they are sending Tango into the guest house. They want him to head up to the second floor to investigate the video and they send him alone. Um, Tango wants to 
kind of start off with what he's been given, and he talks to Tim. He says, I heard that you took your own life. Is that true? And then we see Tango going into the bathroom, and it has a very squeaky door. Um, he checks out the shower and, of course, has to make a obvious um, psycho joke uh, about the knife in the shower. And then they kind of make the decision, well, let's just leave the cameras running the rest of the night and pick up the next day. Now, I've talked about this in other episodes uh, that we've reviewed and that we've talked about on the podcast. I really, really wish that so many investigators would not listen to the stories or anything, that they would do more of an open investigation. I understand that if you've only got four hours in a place, that you've got to narrow it down. We find out in this episode, they're there for several days. And I understand that if you know you're going to be there several days, kind of take what the family says and run with it. But I love, I love how they really, I don't know, they didn't get any activity or any reactions or anything so they decide to send tango to do research on dorothy and tim um because they're just not 100 percent sure that they have enough information to really go on so we see them the next day sending tango off and jason and steve at 116 head to the guest house to try to figure out what the nanny camera actually caught. They say this is about the same time that it it was filmed, and they want to make sure that the lights are off and check for any camera tricks that have went on or or anything like that. Um, They use several different techniques. They don't really show us any of them. Part of me wants them to have taken the time and shown us, what did you try? What what kind of techniques did you use? What kind of things um, did you try? I'm sure that they did a lot more than Steve just walking in front of the camera to, to see things. Because they do that, and of course Steve shows up as a solid figure. But... I also understand that they don't want to show some of the camera techniques or tricks on a TV show because they don't want people doing them and fooling people. But Jason says, you know, after trying several different things, we really can't debunk the figure on the nanny cam. So Tango, after researching for a little while, at the library, he calls Jason and Steve and says that he actually has found a great niece that is living of Dorothy's and he researched and found her address. Um, he also found out that Dorothy didn't die from falling down the stairs 
and being left alone for several days and died. That she had actually had heart disease for three years and that she had basically died at home. Um, he also found that Dorothy had a brother named Robert and that hadn't gotten brought up before. Uh, the family had said, you know, they knew about the brother named Tim, but not the, not the brother named Robert. So Stephen, Jason, uh, gets a dress from Tango. He texts it to him and they drive to another town where they meet Lauren. Lauren is the great niece of Dorothy. And in this, I'm kind of shocked that Lauren agrees to talk to him because a lot of people, you know, if you're knocking on their door with cameras and they're not going to be so open and honest. Um, I noticed that Lauren did not let them in her house, that she ended up walking them down to the dock, um, probably for safety reasons. But, um, Lauren says her dad's grandpa built the actual two houses that are on the property and that only her family had ever lived there until they actually sold it to the Higgins house, or excuse me, to the Higgins family. So by me figuring things out it looks like there were about four or five generations that have actually lived on this property it looks like that lauren would be the fifth generation and i'm not sure she, she says that she was around 11 years old when dorothy died so it looks like at least five generations had visited the property and so she confirms that Dorothy died in her bed and that she was in her 70s. And she describes where Dorothy's bedroom actually was. And this is near where Chris has said that she's seen that mist figure going from the dining room to the kitchen because Dorothy's bedroom, the master bedroom, is right off the kitchen dining room area. She says that Dorothy was really particular about her house and that she really wasn't interested in kids and that she really wasn't all that excited about, you know, having a bunch of people in her house and everything. She also goes ahead and tells them that Tim is her son, not her brother. That that's, you know, why he was living in the guest house was because he was Dorothy's son. And that Tim did not commit suicide. Tim had actually had diabetes for years and years, and that he passed away at the University of Michigan's hospital, which is like an hour, hour and a half away, so he was nowhere near the house when he died, and she kind of gets a confused look on her face, like she has no clue whether the suicide thing happens. 
She does uh, confirm that Robert was Dorothy's brother and that they got along fine. And so Jason and Steve kind of feel like they have some accurate info now. And I do too. Um, it's always shocking. It seems like a lot of people want their houses to be haunted or they want wherever they're going to be haunted and they're willing to believe any story without doing any kind of research or anything like that. So we jump ahead basically until later in the night and we see them at 11.16. Um, Jason says they're going to try some new and different tactics tonight and they're, they're going to start in the living room. Um, because they have better information. So they hear a noise and I actually on, um, the TV show heard it too, um, that they heard a noise that sound like it came from Dorothy's bedroom while they were talking. Um, I, I don't know, uh, whether or not it came from Dorothy's bedroom or not, I was a little shocked in this episode that some of the noises that they said that they heard, I could actually hear. In a lot of episodes that are on TV, it's almost like the paranormal investigators. They hear things and they're not picked up unless they enhance them. And, and you see it on screen where they say enhanced audio or whatever. But a lot of the noises in this particular episode, I feel like I could actually hear. So about 40 minutes later, which is 11.55, we hear another noise. Um, they decide to go into the dining room and set, set down. They have a thermal camera and that Steve has taken a 360 laser camera and set it up. Um, so Jason starts talking about the story of Tim and asking Dorothy if people thinking that he jumped out of the guest house second story and committed suicide, if that upsets her. And Steve said that he felt like he heard a voice. So they must have sat there for a while, I'm assuming, because we now jump to 115. And Tango is using an infrared camera over in the guest house and he starts off by talking to all three people that we've heard about he starts asking you know is Dorothy here is Robert here is Tim here and he also asks. he kind of concentrates on Tim I guess because Lauren has confirmed that Tim actually lived in the guest house because Tango asks if it was Tim walking by the baby. And of course, nothing really shows up. Um, he doesn't get anything by asking three different people. Um, so we jump over to an hour later, 205, and 
Jason and Steve decide to go into Dorothy's bedroom. I don't know if I would have been that patient. Because remember, back at around 11.16 is when they first heard um, noises that they felt were probably coming from Dorothy's bedroom. So it's not for three hours that they actually go in there. And Steve is kind of blunt. He's very nice about it. But he he's just kind of telling, he, he's, you know, talking to Dorothy and saying, this family is scared, and we need you to say or do anything that can be used for us to educate them about what's going on. Um, so the... EMF is fairly steady, and then it goes up, he says, to about 1.8, and they start asking if they are around Tim or speaking to Tim, can Tim stomp? So they hear no sounds. They ask if they're talking, or if Robert is around, can he stomp? Well, they hear a noise. So they ask, can you stomp again if you're Robert? And they hear basically the same noise. And then Steve hears what he feels is a male voice. Now, Jason doesn't hear it, and I don't hear it, um, but at 2.45, Jason then asks, if you are a male, can you bang on the floor at the count of three? And he goes, one, two, three. And I really like this technique. I've never seen that before. Um, I like how they are trying to figure out if this truly is a spirit. If it is, is it an intellectual spirit? Or is it just a residual spirit that they're hearing make noises? I also liked not only that he asked on the count of three... But he didn't go one, two, three, so that somebody could time it out. It was one, two, three. I mean, he varied the time differences in between one and two and two and three. And I really liked that. Like I said, um, I had never seen them before. But when he does it, they do get a response. Um, they, they get a banging noise. And so this kind of leads them to conclude that Robert probably is here and that he may be the dominant spirit. That even though there may be other spirits there, that it's Robert that they're pretty much communicating with. So then at 315, 
Tango is upstairs in the guest house, and he is still trying to get some kind of response, and we see Jason and Steve actually come up the stairs. They came over to the guest house and are wanting to know if Tango, Tango has found anything. And they basically decide to call it a night. They feel like they might need some more research. So we see them actually the next day, which is day three. Um, they feel like they might need to send Tango now to the research center a couple towns over to do more research. And as he's walking in the historical center, he happens to glance at an exhibit that they have of Native Americans, and he sees a Native American map that shows where their trails were, where their... Um, buildings were and things like that and he asks the curator can he see that map and he compares it to like an area map now and kind of locates where the Higgins house is on the Native American map and they talk about how in that area that they buried their people in mounds and that they buried them off the trails of the area. So there was a map of all the trails. There was not a map that he could find of the mounds near there, but that they could bury several thousand Native Americans in one mound, and like I said, it's usually off of a trail. So he found that there were two main trails that go near the Higgins house um, near the lake. And Jason says, if it's on or near a burial mound, then this opens up like a whole new can of worms for them because these actually could be Native American spirits that they're dealing with. So he calls up a friend of his, Chris Terrence, who agrees to meet them that has researched Native Americans in the area. And he talks about how when settlers came into the area that they basically wanted to build on these areas. So what they did was they desecrated the burial mounds and kind of flattened them. And so that there's a lot of unrest in the area. And he shows them a map that he has of trails in the area and finds that he had on his map a smaller trail that is actually extremely co close to the Higgins house. So using this information, they decide to go back that night to investigate. And at 8.22, Tango and Steve are back in the living room. And Steve talks about how the night before, that the sounds may have actually been a Native American drumbeat. And they show a flashback to 
actually last night's investigation where they're sitting around the kitchen table and Steve had actually mimicked what he had heard, which was a bumba bumba bumba. And he is now on day three or day or night three, I should say, of the investigation. He is recalling that and telling Jason about that. Then it shows them as they enter Dorothy's bedroom, Steve sees a Native American dream catcher. And he wonders if certain things are influencing other things. Um, he talks about how dream catchers are supposed to catch your bad dreams and allow, you know, good dreams to continue. And he starts asking whether there are different tribes here and if they can make a noise. My question that I wanted to ask is, didn't tribes speak different languages? And if so, how are they supposed to communicate to us? How is Steve saying bang on something? How are they going to understand him? Because it is my understanding that in the part of Michigan that they're in, that they spoke not only English, but they also spoke French. And then the different Native Americans that are there had their own languages and dialects. So how are they supposed to be able to understand us and communicate with us? Um, so at 1013, over in the guest house, J. Steve go and they want to find the water system. They find that it's located kind of near the stairs, um, in a kind of little door area where you can see, uh, the water heater and Jason immediately notices that they get their water from a well and that the well has to pump that. So Steve says he's going to go upstairs and actually turn on the shower since that's the only time that Heather really hears noises or what she thinks is voices. So Steve turns on, on the shower and Jason Here's the well kick on, and it makes noises. Um, he says that, yes, those could be noises that you would interpret could be people running up and down the stairs due to the fact that the water uh, system is located so close to the stairs. However, Jason hears a voice behind him. And at 10.39, which means it's been 26 minutes, um, Steve comes back down and he says, you know, he was talking to Jason, kind of getting an update, and Steve hears that some noise is being made upstairs. So, um, they decide that they have basically concluded their investigation. So, on day four, 
they meet with the family and gather around the table and have the reveal. They explain all the inaccuracies that, that the family has about the stories about uh, Dorothy, how she didn't die in the house, or she did die in the house in her bedroom, but not because of a fall on the stairs, and how Tim did not die uh, from committing suicide, that he actually died in a University of Michigan um, hospital uh, an hour or so away. He explains the Native American trails and... He admits that they didn't find any evidence of the Native American spirits being around. He found, you know, no evidence whatsoever with Native Americans. However, he talks about the bangs that they heard when they felt like they were talking to Robert and how they feel that Robert is the dominant spirit here and that he's not a residual spirit, that it, he's actually an intellectual spirit because he was answering their questions as they asked. Um, and then they have her put on headphones where she where they captured uh, an EVP and she jumps when she hears it. I wish they would have asked her what she thought it said. But basically, um, Jason says that they believe that it says, where's Timmy? Now, I rewound it a couple times, and I didn't feel like I heard that. However, I didn't have headphones on, and I wasn't concentrated on just that particular voice. It actually took me two times to rewind it to actually figure out what I was supposed to be listening to and listening for. I'm not real good at figuring these out if they're not real clear, I guess. Um, I guess I don't have the ears for it or something. But, um, you know, Jason says then that they couldn't 100% recreate the spirit that was caught on the nanny cam. He said they got close to it. I wish they would have showed that. I wish they would have shown that they got close. I wish they would have shown, not how, but footage of them getting close. Because I wanted to know, did they get close enough? But he follows that up with that they as a team, Ghost Nation, believes that the Higgins actually do have paranormal activity going on. And I'm sure Chris and Heather were thinking, um, yeah, we already knew that. But um, Steve says that since the spirit on the nanny camera doesn't acknowledge the baby, doesn't even really show any knowledge that the baby's there. Um, looking around, it's concentrated walking through a definite path that he, actually the team, believes that that spirit's not going to hurt the baby and that there's nothing for them to fear. And of course, 
Jason kind of follows that up with, you know, you can always contact us if something changes, or if you want to ask further questions, or you need us to come back out, or anything like that. And it seems to almost reassure them. I don't know that it would reassure me. And then the episode ends. But I don't I don't know that it would reassure me. We've discussed in other uh, podcast episodes that I am a chicken. I think if Coast Nation comes in and tells me I've got paranormal activity, um, that I'm going to be a little bit nervous. Um, even though they ruled out, you know, Chris falling down the stairs as possibly being psychological and her, her wanting to find a reason for why she fell down the stairs other than her not being that graceful. Um, if I truly believe that, I don't know that they would have convinced me. I would probably be selling my house. But I also probably wouldn't have lived there for 11 years and put up with it. So I imagine they're still, you know, hanging out and living there. I thought this episode was not as good as the first. And didn't really live up to, I guess, what I've always heard about Jason, Steve, and Tango. Um, I thought that they would debunk this one. I thought that they would find something up on the nanny camera and they would be able to debunk it, uh, especially after they got into the water system and then, you know, they found the animals in the attic were causing some of the noises. I I just thought that they were going to be able to debunk this one. And so, little disappointed, I guess, that they didn't. But I'm impressed that they're not afraid to debunk certain things and then admit hey we tried and tried and tried and tried on this one and we can't so we think it's paranormal and I think we all need to remember that paranormal doesn't necessarily mean spirits or ghosts or whatever it just means not normal as in something we can explain at this time so um and a little bit i guess impressed with that part of it so how do i feel about the new ghost nation i feel like it's interesting I know it's only been two episodes. I want to give it the whole season. You know, I know that we're slowly going through because I'm hopping around to different series. But um, I am interested in continuing this. I like them as a team. I like how they debunk. I like the time stamping and things like that. So I'm interested in definitely watching the third episode. If you guys have any questions, comments, problems, protests, or anything you disagree with or that you feel like I missed, write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com or come over, like I said, and hit us up on Twitter or come over to Paranormal Review on Facebook. We have our own page. And like I said, we've got a lot of interesting information over there. So I will be talking to you guys and reviewing something new soon.